with us as we walk along this passion narrative, uh, as we hope you are feeling the weight at home of what Christ did on the journey to the cross, being this man here, uh, as we've seen him crying out to the Father, sweating drops of blood, to having his best friends turn their backs on him. And now as we see the crowd cry out, crucify him, crucify him. We now have the privilege for Bobby to come and lead us in this word. We are so thankful for Bobby and who he is here at Park. Uh, we thank you so much uh, for him. And let me pray for you before we start. Father, I love you. We are so humbled to be able to share your word. Lord, I pray that as we continue to go through the narrative of you going through the cross, Lord, I pray that we would see the weight of what you have done for us. Lord, speak through my brother Bobby. In Jesus' name, amen. his passion and very perhaps familiar stories to us all and uh, because of that uh, we must be careful um, perhaps we could lose the impact of what, what the Lord would have us uh, see in our own lives may the Lord deliver us from uh, indifference to his son's sufferings may we never cast the diamond of Christ's passion uh, to the wayside so may the Lord grant us with eyes to see and a, a heart to feel the wonder of his majesty. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, work in our hearts. Lord, give us eyes to see the truth of Christ. Give us a heart to feel the wonder, the majesty of Christ's sufferings. Lord, Lord help us not to go at Easter without Christ. Lord, grant that we would know this Jesus. We pray you would do this for Christ's sake. Amen. Just to give you a, a, some, some context before I read the passage in Mark chapter 15, uh, we've already seen uh, Christ has been uh, arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he's already uh, endured uh, uh, trials with the, the chief priests, the religious authorities, uh, through the night, in the wee hours of the morning on Friday, uh, they have um, accused him of blasphemy, ironically, because he is the Son of God, and that is their accusation against Christ, and they're desiring to put him to death. And so now, they're going to take him to the civil government, 
they can't bring this accusation against uh, Christ of blasphemy. Uh, if you remember at this time, uh, the Jews were under uh, Roman sovereignty, and so they did not have the authority to put Christ to death. And so they bring Christ bound to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and to accuse him, not of, of blasphemy, but to accuse him of insurrection, uh, of being a, a, the king of the Jews. And so they trump these charges against Christ. Pontius Pilate interviews Christ and asks him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replies, it is as you say. Jesus was the king of the Jews, but not the kind of king that anyone could understand. Pilate doesn't see any credible threat from Christ, and repeatedly, as you read through the Gospels, he says throughout this testimony of, of Christ that he finds no fault in this man, nothing worthy of death. So Pilate is in a, a dilemma here. He's in a quandary here. He sees the religious leaders want him put to death, but in Pilate's eyes, he's an innocent man. He wants to uphold Roman law, he doesn't believe that he should be punished or much less killed by crucifixion. What will Pilate do? This brings us to our text, and we see a, a, a possible way of escape for Pilate to bypass the religious leaders. And so we pick up in chapter 15. Let me start in verse 6. Now at the feast, he used, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked, and among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. You see the, the way of escape that Pilate had intended here? He knew, he knew the chief priest wanted him dead. He was hoping this growing popularity of Jesus could somehow bypass this, the intent of the Jews. Pilate knew the chief priest handed over Christ because of envy. They were envious of his growing popularity with the people, his growing um, influence over the people. Jesus was reigning on their parade. They wanted to be rid of Christ. Pilate recognized this envy, and he thought of the common Jews. What did they think of Jesus? He knew that he was growing in popularity. Pilate was banking on this. It was the time of the Passover, and it was the, the custom during the Passover for uh, the Roman government to release uh, someone who was in prison as an act of goodwill. So Pilate saw an opportunity here. He put Barabbas before the people, a known insurrectionist, a rebel, someone who committed murder in some sort of resistance against the Roman government. If you want an insurrectionist, Barabbas is your man. He puts Barabbas before the people, and he puts Christ 
And he puts this choice before the people. Would you want me to release Barabbas or would you want me to release Christ? Surely the people by their great number would choose Jesus to be set free and not a murderer, not an insurrectionist. An amazing thing happens here as we read. It says the chief priest stirred up the people for them to release Barabbas instead. Pilate must have been surprised. Pilate says to the people, what, what shall I do with this man whom you call king of the Jews? The people cried out, crucify him. Pilate trying to convince the people otherwise, why? What evil has he done? The people cry out louder, crucify him, crucify him. The die has been cast. In Pilate's mind, there's no way that he could uphold Roman law here. He wishes to satisfy the multitude. He cannot go against the chief priests and the people together. He wishes to keep the peace in the providence. So he makes a political maneuver here, and he delivers Jesus up to be crucified. It's amazing, as I think through the gospel story, how fickle the crowd was. Less than a week earlier, in Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the people were hailing Jesus as the Messiah, sent from God, Hosanna to the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the chief priests were able to sway the crowd. The people feared the chief priest. The chief priest could throw people out of the synagogue. The chief priest could have the people uh, ostracized from just Jewish society. The crowds... Uh, on further inspection of Christ. Before us to overthrow the Roman government. Give us Barabbas. Who cares about this Jesus? We were wrong about him. Crucify him. If you were amongst the crowd in that day, how would you have responded to Pilate's question? Do you want me to release Barabbas or do you want me to release Jesus? Don't answer too quickly. We live on the triumphant side of the cross. On that side of the cross, the cross represented Shame. It represented a curse of God. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. All rejected him. There was nothing comely about his appearance. He was in ragged clothing, bound, helpless, didn't speak up for himself, despised by men. Where was his entourage, his beloved disciples? Where was Peter, the one who said he would die for him? Where was the beloved disciple, John? They had all forsaken and fled for their lives. Would we have forsaken Jesus? The disciples, his close associates, who heard all the teaching, who saw all the miracles, feared for their lives. The chief priests feared the multitudes. They, they, only, they took Christ in the middle of the night. They were afraid to take him during the day. Pilate feared the multitude. He, he decided on the multitude's wishes. The multitudes feared the chief priest, no one, no one feared Jesus. No one feared the true king of the Jews. No one feared 
the king of kings. On that side of the cross, we would have rejected him one way or another. The better question to ask ourselves is not how we would have responded back then. The better question is how do you respond about the question about Jesus now? I ask you the same question that Pilate asked the fickle crowd. What shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? In the heart of many believers today, Jesus is on trial. Jesus is being rejected still. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But what do the crowds say? I don't care about Jesus' way. I make my own way. I make my own path. I make my own destiny. I make my own dreams come true. Forget Jesus' narrow way, his bigoted way. Crucify Jesus and his way. Will you follow Jesus? His way is a narrow way. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the truth. The crowd says many other things other than the truth. The crowd says, I make my own truth. I don't care what Jesus says about how to live. I don't care that Jesus says, love your enemies. I don't care what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. I don't care what Jesus says about marriage. I don't care what Jesus says about heaven. I don't care what Jesus says about judgment. I don't care what Jesus says about repentance. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I don't care, the crowd say, I don't care about truth. I make my own ideas about who Jesus is. I don't care about the Jesus of the Bible. They say, crucify Jesus of the Bible. Jesus says, I'm the life. The crowd says, I know how to live without Jesus. I'm quite content with the things of this world. I know what brings happiness. I don't care what Jesus says about true life. I'm quite content without him. Jesus seems to me boring and joyless. So they crucify this Jesus who came to give them life and life more abundantly. Jesus is still on trial today in the hearts and minds of unbelievers all around us. The crowd says, I don't care about this Christ. I don't need him. It doesn't matter what a difference he did 2,000 years on the cross. What does it matter to me? I've got my own way. I've got my own truth. I've got my own life. I'm quite content without Jesus. Friend, it's true. What Jesus said was true. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ's way leads to the cross. Follow the blood-stained path that leads to Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. Embrace him today. Many are blind. Don't, they don't see Jesus, who is rejected, still rejected by men. Believer in Christ, you who live in the crowds of today, what are you going to say to that same question from Pilate? What shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews. How will you answer that question? What shall I do with that man you call king of the Jews? Will we be silent? Will we tell them to believe? Tell them to repent of their sins. Tell them to turn to Christ. Tell them the gospel. Tell them about Jesus. I, I think of the, the, the story that we read. Tell them how you could be forgiven of your sins. 
I know I'll, I'll be a good person. I'll do good deeds. That will make up for my bad deeds. That's not the way. Your righteousness, my righteousness, is as filthy rags. What is the way? I think we see a glimmer of the gospel in this story. Look at Barabbas, a pitiful fellow. What a rebel, condemned to die, a murderer. He was facing the cross. The Roman justice was a quick justice. He's facing certain death. Early Friday morning, the Roman soldiers come, take him out of his cell, and set him free. I, I don't, uh, the scriptures don't uh, bear out the testimony of Barabbas after this, but I, I just wonder, I wonder if Barabbas shared this story with his family and friends. I was, gonna, I was supposed to die. That cross was for me, but I was set free. Jesus took my place on the cross. I wonder if Barabbas, Barabbas said something like that. Certainly was true. Barabbas deserved to, to die, but Jesus took his place. That is a picture of the gospel. The beautiful gospel is beautiful if you receive him. You could have the testimony of Barabbas. I was a man condemned to die. I deserve punishment, but Jesus took my place. First, Corinthians, uh, First Peter chapter 3, verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Let your testimony be the testimony of Barabbas. He took my place. He took my punishment. He died for my sins so that I could have the name of Barabbas. Barabbas means, Bar means son. Abbas means father, son of the father, so that you can be an adopted son of the heavenly father. Quickly, verses 16 through 20. Uh, let me read 16 through 20. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. As I, as I read and meditate on that portion of scripture, I, I thought, what, wasn't, it, wasn't it enough? Wasn't it enough that Christ was going to die? I mean, I, I get that. He, so we, we need a punishment for our sin. He's going to die. Okay, I get that. At least give Christ an honorable death. Treat him with some, some decency, some respect. He's going to die this tortuous death. He's already been scourged with a leather, bone, and metal laid back, his back laid bare. Let him die with a sense of dignity, of hope. Can you imagine the scene? The Roman soldiers put on this uh, fake orchestrated coronation. They put the purple cloak on him. They devise the crown of thorns and press it upon his head. They mockingly salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. Strike him on the head. Spat on him. Is there anything more shameful that they could have done than to spit on the king of kings? I wonder, I wonder if... If the angels of heaven were watching, uh, Witt mentioned earlier the, uh, what Christ said in the Garden of Gethsemane, the 12 legion of angels that he could have called down and um, 
I wonder if they were at this scene. Twelve legions, 72,000 angels. I think the, the angels were watching in utter disbelief, hand on sword and ready, waiting. Jesus, just say the word. Just say the word. And they would have leveled the place. Jesus did not say a word. He kept silent as a sheep before the slaughter. Jesus not only died, but he died a shameful death. Why? Why such an ignominious, shameful death? One reason, perhaps others, do we realize what great shame our sin is brings against the glory of God? Our sin is not just doing bad things. Our sin is not just breaking some set of rules. Our sin is a personal offense against the glory of God. Our sin is against His holiness, His majesty, His loveliness, His glory. Our sin is against Him. Have you sinned before and mistreated someone and felt a sense of shame? I shouldn't have treated that person in that way. Multiply that by a million times when we've all of our sin has sinned against the glory of God. Perhaps you've sinned so much and you've become desensitized against that sense of shame anymore. There's still hope. You have breath in your lungs. You have the word of God preached to you today. The word of God brings life to dead bones. Don't you know you were made in the image of God? You were made to reflect God's glory by your life. But in our sin, by our sin, we have defaced that glory. We have shamefully spat on the glory of God. We sin, we don't even realize the great shamefulness of it. Realize the depth of your sin. It is a great shame against the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fall infinitely, shamefully short of His glory. Repent. Turn from shaming the glory of God to honoring and praising, prizing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Friend, don't let this be another Easter without Christ. Follow the path that leads to the cross. See what Jesus has done for you. There is hope. Think of Barabbas at death's door. Pray to the Lord. You took Barabbas' place. Take my place. Let his testimony be your testimony. Realize that our sin is a shame against the glory of God. Believer, be amazed. Be amazed again at the glory of God displayed in what Christ did for us on the cross. Be, be amazed and worship him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this Good Friday and what it represents, what happened uh, in this event, this glorious event 2,000 years ago. Lord, I pray if there's someone here uh, listening in, Father, and um, Lord, I pray, Lord, this will not be an Easter without Jesus in their life. I pray your spirit would take your word and bring new life even today. Lord, help us as believers to uh, renew, Lord, and a sense of wonder in our hearts, Lord, for the glory of God and how much you accomplished for us on the cross. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.